Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Title of my message is, Be Careful of Those Good Works, and we're going to be looking in Titus chapter 3 and verse 7 to begin with. Titus chapter 3 and verse 7, Be Careful of Those Good Works. Now, I know the Bible says, Be careful in nothing, but in everything make your request known unto God with thanksgiving, but that means don't be worried about anything. This careful is a little bit different. Be careful of those good works, Titus chapter 3 and verse 7 we'll begin with. Well, yesterday at the wedding, um, or around the wedding time, Joe's father said he doesn't think of this as losing a son, but gaining a daughter. And I got a new suit for the wedding, so I said, I don't consider the wedding as losing time, but gaining a suit. <laughs> so I'm wearing my new suit, so I'm going to see if it'll help me preach good today. Well, uh, there were two ministers at that wedding yesterday. Uh, one, uh, I was told that both did a good job. One was more ad-libbing and just going with the flow, and one was a little bit more strict and careful to stick to the text, uh, was afraid to make any mistakes, and careful to follow the list of the service. While it appears that both ministers added to the event and worked together well, in the Christian life, you can't have either extreme. The Bible does not give us every situation and every problem that we face and exactly what to do and say in those situations. It does give us principles to follow and a guide to follow. Um, at the same time, you can't just ad-lib everything. The Bible gives us commandments to follow. It gives us principles we need to go by. In fact, the Bible says, So speak ye and do so as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. In other words, we have to act like we're being judged not according to the law, but by judged by the New Testament. First of all, he gave us a higher standard, I think, to follow than just commandments. In other words, we have a higher standard than the law. Jesus said, whosoever looketh upon a woman with lust commits adultery. He said, if you hate someone, you commit murder in your heart. In other words, Jesus has set a higher standard to be judged by than just laws and commandments. He knows. The Bible says, He that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, it's sin to him. And the Bible says, Anything that's not of faith is sin. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43, Ye have heard that it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that despise you. Do good to them that hate you. So the Bible makes it clear that we can't have either extreme. We have to follow the commandments of God, but we have to allow the Spirit of God to lead us when we deal with those commandments with other people. And so in our text, we're going to see a commandment to keep good works. And we're going to see how God would have us to be led by the Spirit of God, then we are sons of God. Titus chapter 3, verse 7 says this. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, 
and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Lord, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for your word, something we can trust and we can live, live according to. We ask now that you help us as we come to this passage to understand it, to apply it to our lives, and live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my thesis this morning is, in order to maintain good works, we must carefully preach good works, we must carefully prepare for good works, and we must carefully propagate good works. We must propagate good works. And there's three things primarily that God uses. First, this book. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So first of all, the scripture is going to help us with our good works. And then secondly, the, the church. The Bible says, let us consider one another to provoke love and unto good works. So first of all, the scriptures, then the church, and finally the Spirit of God. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. Three key things that are going to help us with those good works. Well, first of all, from this passage I want to say this, that we must carefully preach good works. We must carefully preach good works. And what I mean by that, first of all, is the doctrine of salvation must not be confused with good works. Look at Titus chapter 3, verse 3. It says this, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceiving, deceived, serving diverse lusts. But then it goes on to say in verse 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. The Bible says that God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say God saw we were good people and he died for us. It doesn't say he saw that we were good men and good women and died for us. It says while we were yet sinners, when no one was seeking after God, Jesus died for us. It says in verse 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. We must preach carefully good works that all may understand we're not saved by the works we do. It's not ourselves. It's a gift of God. We must carefully, and Paul makes a huge deal of this throughout Scripture. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For, great, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves is a gift of God lest any man should boast. But then he goes on to say, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Unto good works. So all saved people should show forth good works. And he said to be careful to maintain that. When I think about maintenance on my vehicle, I, I really think of two types of maintenance. I think of preventive maintenance. We better get that oil changed before it hits six, seven thousand mile, uh, six thousand miles. We better get it changed before that. 
we better make sure that we take care of our vehicle, that it might not break down on us. And then there's maintenance that happens as we go along when it does break down. We need to get it fixed. We need to get it worked on. And I think God would have us maintain our good works in both of those areas. So not only must, well, then we come to James chapter 2, verse 18. He says, Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. As believers, as saved people, he's commanding us to maintain those good works. And he says this, he says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Constantly. You say, well, I've heard this before. Good. Because we're to affirm it constantly. You say, Brian preaches on it all the time. Good. Because we are to affirm it constantly and continually that we are to be a people of good works. Well, not only do we got to be careful to preach the good works, doctrinally speaking, that we don't confuse that with salvation, but we must be careful to preach good works for its, because of its motivation for us. Look at verse 14. This is actually chapter 2, verse 14. Titus 2, verse 14. It says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Our motivation is Jesus. The Bible says, uh, and Paul, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It means he asks, he requests, he prays that we would do and live our lives as a, as a living sacrifice because of the grace of God. No greater thing can be, than it can be requested by but the grace of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus was speaking to a crowd that didn't always do that. He said, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your heavenly Father. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue, in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. We must be careful to preach the motivation of good works. It's not that it somehow makes our standing with God right, but our motivation is Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Our motivation is that we others might see us do the good works and they might understand that God is the God of heaven, and they might worship him also. Galatians 6, 9, and 10, along with that, says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So first of all, we must be careful to preach good works, uh, because... To be careful that the doctrine of works does not confuse with salvation and to be careful to preach good works that our motivation would be to please God and not to be seen of men. But secondly, we must be careful to prepare to do good works. Careful to prepare to do good works. Look at Titus 3, verse 1. 
It says this, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. You can't spend too much time fighting, fighting the government and the things that we know we're supposed to do that the government has laid out that are right, that are good, and have the time we need to be ready to do every good work. Now, I do understand that the disciples said it's better to obey God than it is to obey man. So I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about spending our time too involved in governmental issues that really don't matter to be able to do the things that God would have us ready to do. And I've already mentioned it, but 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is our key to good works. It makes, us plain, it, makes it plain what we should do. Over in the book of James, he warns us that we shouldn't just say, hey, if someone comes to you and says they don't have any food, or they don't have clothing, we don't just say, go be warmed and be filled. He said, if you do that, what kind of faith do you have? He said, a faith without works is dead. He said, we need to put action to our faith. Amen. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If a man therefore purge himself of these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Timothy said, in a house, there are lots of different vessels. He said, there are some made of earth and clay, and then there's some that are made of gold and silver. And he says this, that if we're going to be prepared and ready, he says, if a man therefore purge himself of these, those are the sins that he lists beforehand. If he purge himself of those sins, then we are going to be the vessel made of gold and silver, rather than the vessel made of clay and dirt. Sure, God could use both vessels if he wanted to. And he may use those made of clay and dirt at times. But it, when it really matters, when it really counts, to be prepared for the good works, God wants us to remove the sin from our lives and live for him that he can use us as gold and silver when the opportunity arises and he needs to use us. In 2 Timothy 2.21 it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Purge ourselves of these. And Colossians 3, 5 reiterates that same idea. Mortify their members. Mortify your members which are upon the earth. Fornication and cleanliness and ordinate affections, all evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things the sa things sake, the wrath of God, cometh on the children of disobedience, in which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them. He says, if you're going to be ready to be used of God, you need to mortify your members. Mortify, when I think of that word, I think of being scared to death. He was mortified to go on stage and perform. Or he was mortified when he saw what his friend was wearing. Mortified, scared to death. So to mortify, therefore, your members means to kill them. To not use them. At least not use them in any way that you want to use them or that is evil or that is vile, our flesh wants to use our members, and God said, let them die. When you want to run to sin, let your feet die. When you want to gossip, let your tongue be dead. 
When you want to steal something, let your arms be dead. Mortify, therefore, your members, and you will be prepared to be used of God, meat for the master's use. You'll be a vessel of gold and of silver rather than of clay and of dirt. Well, not only do we have to be, not only do we have to be careful to preach good works, and we have to be careful and be prepared for good works, but thirdly, we must carefully propagate good works. We must carefully propagate good works. And what that means, that word means is to encourage and guarantee future good works. To encourage and guarantee future good works. And the first thing I want to say about that is we need to be preaching and teaching to the next generation. Look at Titus 3, verse 14. Titus 3, verse 14. He says, and let ours also learn. That's the ones amongst us, ours. That's the people in our church. That's our group right there. He says, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they may be not unfruitful. I don't know if you realize this, but young people today, we are losing the next generation. And I'm not just talking about youth. I'm talking about young adults. I'm talking about young married couples. They do not understand the importance of attending church. They think that once a month or twice a month, that's good enough. But the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. The Bible says we need to encourage one another to good works. The Bible says we need each other as a church. I know it's a day and age where you can watch TV and get church. I know even here you can watch online and go to church. But folks, that's not enough to encourage one another with good works. There's nothing better than coming here on a Sunday morning and looking at the faces that are here and to be encouraged about what happened over the weekend or be encouraged to do good things. To have the church people there at the wedding yesterday uh, is encouraging. They just encourage you when your church family is with you to do good works. Young people don't see, they see the need, don't see the need to read the Bible or to understand how important the Bible is. I remember when I was young, about 18 years old, I heard a preacher say that he read the Bible 30 pages a day. And he said, but now I'm a speed reader so that you can, you probably, if you're a slow reader, you could at least read 10 pages a day. So I said, I'm going to try to read 20 pages a day for the rest of my life. Didn't work out too good for me. That's tough to do. But I have read more than 20 pages a day some days. I read less than 20 pages a day some days. But I understand the importance of reading the Scripture and understanding it prepares me for good works and understand living that way. The next, this young generation does not seem to have a concern for reading the Scriptures or for doing the things that God would have for them. We need to teach this next generation they need to do that. Titus 2.7 says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. We need to be an example to the next generation. This younger generation, I see very little excitement or interest in the things of God. I saw some excitement stirring this morning during that song in the choir. I was ready. I was getting excited. That was good. Young people don't see it that way anymore. But there's two things. I want to read this quote 
out of the book Almost Christian by Kendra Creasy Dean. The problem does not seem to be that churches are teaching young people badly, but that we are doing exact we are doing an exceedingly good job of teaching youth what we really believe. Namely, that Christianity is not a big deal, that God requires little, and that the church is a helpful social institution filled with nice people focused primarily on folks like us, which of course begs the question of whether we're really the church at all. Wow, that's some tough words. I hope when young people come into our church, young couples come into our church, they understand that we mean business about serving God. And I thank God for a preacher that preaches that each and every Sunday. Two things I know. One thing I know is that young people may be distracted today. But number two, I know the gospel of Jesus Christ still works no matter how old or how young you are. And that God can use us to reach this generation. We need to be examples of good works to those people, to the, to the younger people. Even though the Bible says the other way around, young people are to be an example to us, we need to be an example to them, excited about the things of God, maintaining good works and understanding those things. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. The time is short. Let, though, let they that be as they're married be as though they're not. Let those who are, are, have fear or those who have, um, that don't, that are concerned about things, live as though they're not concerned about those things. And live as though the time is short. If we don't encourage each other to good works, we're going to be in trouble. The Lord leaves us three things. He leaves us this book that we can maintain good works. He leaves us a church that we can help each other to maintain good works. And he leaves us a spirit that we might be able to maintain good works. Let us be people of God that uses those three things to maintain good works that the next generation following us will be excited about the things of God. They will understand the things of God and that they will live for God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this encouragement from your word. Help us always to maintain good works, to always keep and be prepared to do the things you would have us to do. We praise you and thank you for a church that loves you. And I ask that you help us to serve you in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, 
please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.